Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of All Angles. My name is Andrew Thomas, and I'm your host. This week, we are sitting down with Dr. Kate Steiner. She is a burnout recovery expert, coach, speaker, and founder of Lift Wellness Consulting. She supports professionals overcome the burden of burnout through a guided reflection process. Holding a Master's of Counseling and a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, her practice is grounded in the research-based Steiner Self-Reflective Sustainability and Wellness Model, published in the Oracle Research Journal. She has been a researcher in wellness and burnout for over 15 years. Dr. Steiner is the author of Feeling Crispy, a guide for every professional to identify, prepare, and recover their joy, and host of the From Burnout to Recovery show with Dr. Kate. Her mission is to end the burnout cycle for professionals so they are living happier, healthier lives. Kate, thank you for joining joining All Angles today. I am so excited to have you on to discuss burnout and you know how I always like to get started on these podcast episodes and stuff is I really want to get to know you as a person, help help our get or help our listeners really get to know um, our guests. So my first question for you is, have you changed your mind about anything recently? I love this question. And thank you so much for having me on the show first and foremost. But yeah, so have I changed my mind about anything recently? You know, if you were to ask my husband, he would say that I change my mind constantly. And it usually <laughs> comes around like the time of dinner and trying to figure out what to eat mm-hmm. in that aspect. So that's probably at least one example of when I've changed my mind recently. But a a bigger piece and maybe not as recent because it's been almost a year was the the decision to change careers. And so pivoting out of higher education into the space I'm in now as a burnout recovery coach. Mm, can you tell me a little bit about that? What is What kind of prompted that change for you? Yeah, it's interesting. So when, when, you know, when the pandemic started in March of 2020, and um, the building I was working in um, on a college campus closed, and we were sent home to work from home in that aspect. And I had these two extra hours in my day because I wasn't commuting um, from another town in that aspect. So I really utilized that time to take a look at the research that I had done in burnout recovery, the model that I had developed through my dissertation and realized that there's some space here to do some one-on-one coaching to do more with that. So I kind of started working that into my day-to-day. And what I found over that next year was a realignment of, of passion for work towards the burnout recovery space versus what I was doing in higher education. I loved what I did in higher education. I loved working with fraternities and sororities on college campuses, but I got way more excited when I started talking about burnout recovery and helping people in that space. And I realized that I needed to, in order for me to show up as my best self and to support others in showing up as them as their best self, I needed to be in alignment with that excitement. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we know that a lot of people had probably that same kind of realization when they were, when things shut down for COVID and they, we wanted to find their passions Mm -hmm. and try to do that. And so I think that's awesome that you just kind of, you took that leap and went for it. And obviously that is definitely a bigger change in like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? That's That's a much bigger decision change than, yeah, what am I having for dinner? (laughs) Yeah. How did you find this kind of lane that you wanted, like burnout, this passion of yours? How did you, how did you get to this point to where, um, you know, you have a PhD in it and um, you've studied it now and now it's your full-time career. How did you get to this level? 
So I really, you know, I think it started almost at the very beginning of my career, right after I graduated with my bachelor's degree. And I was um, working in as a shelter manager in a nonprofit agency that worked with um, victims and survivors of intimate partner violence, sexual assault, and stalking. And that was probably my first experience with burnout in working in the in the helping professions. And as a 22-year-old, I, I didn't... I didn't cope well in that aspect. So I, you know, I used what I would say was an unhealthier way of coping with that. And that was, you know, through alcohol use. And so when I started, you know, my career in higher education, after getting my master's degree in counseling, student affairs and college counseling, I really started researching wellness and burnout at that point in time, mostly for myself to see how I could, you know, how can I not get back into that kind of space again? How can I show up as my healthiest self um, in life, in work every day? But burnout still happened in my job in higher education. And so I continue to realize that, okay, so this isn't really a space that you can avoid, but how can I recognize it faster? How can I, you know, prevent it a little bit by preparing in different ways? And how do I figure out how to recover from it? So it's more of like this consistent recovery process, as opposed to trying to hide from it mm -hmm. in that aspect. So utilizing that and thinking, okay, I'm not the only person who's experiencing this either. So let me talk to some other folks that are, have figured this out. And so talked with professionals in my dissertation research, which was focused on fraternity sorority advisors and asked them, you know, how did they overcome aspects of burnout in their, in their job so that they can continue the longevity in their career. And that developed the model that I use today with clients. Mm. So, I mean, what it sounds like, and just trying to summarize what you just said was that um, it really started with just your own research. You mm -hmm. wanted to just learn to be, to cope a little bit better, yeah. right? Where, maybe some negative and i think we're gonna i want to get into some of you know maybe some of those coping mechanisms how we deal with burnout but well i i want to jump in because i don't think a lot of people know kind of what burnout is it's still one of those terms and some of those things that are still being defined mm -hmm. um at least in my opinion um but like for you that's why you're on here i want to learn a little bit more you know i was having a I've had conversations with people on the the best thing is like, oh, you know, a lot of people burning out and doing all that. And they just say, yeah, I've just dealt with it every year. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's just what they do. They deal with it. But broadly, how do you define burnout? Yeah. So through my research, I really kind of found that burnout is it's almost a couple of it's it's a bit of a spectrum and so on on one end we have what i call burn events and these are things that happen in our everyday life um you know it could be interactions with other other humans that we find to be difficult interactions it could be long days long meetings um, demands of the job demands of our life and those kind of things but they cause overwhelm fatigue and emotional, you know, feeling emotionally drained in that aspect. And so we all have those experiences as kind of part of our stress response that get us into kind of that fight, flight, freeze mode. And so that creates burnout in that aspect. But 
what really happens for us when we experience like true burnout is we don't recover in a consistent way from those burn events. We don't have daily recovery practices and we do exactly what you were just talking about. Like we push through. So we have a burn event and we push through that one. And then we have another burn event and we're like, nope, keep going, keep going. That hamster on a wheel. And what they do is they compound upon each other and they snowball and that creates full-on burnout. And burnout, I really characterize by three key experiences or feelings. So there is a loss of joy or connection to the work that you had, or it could be a relationship or a connection with a person or a hobby or a volunteer role. So it's that loss of joy or connection that you once had with that activity. Mm-hmm. You start to feel as though it's unmanageable and a burden. So you wake up in the morning, you know, with that, that dread, that feeling of dread that I, you know, gosh, I like, I don't even know where to start because this feels like it's just too much. And you start to have that experience more days of the week than not. And if you're in that place, you're probably, you're experiencing burnout. Okay. So just to sum it up, so we have the three, so loss of joy, mm-hmm. then you just, you're not able to imagine getting up in the day. Yeah. Kind of that it feels very unmanageable. Yes. Okay. So why, so overall you talk about just, you have these, these little sprinkles of like just burn, you call them burn events. Mm-hmm. And is, is that why people get to that point of like overall burnout? It's just like the compounding. Um, of that. And then I guess kind of a follow-up to that is I imagine everyone's is different, right? Like how many burn events can someone take before they reach full burnout? Yeah. Yeah. That's very individual, you know, aspect and, and, and how, you know, how you manage kind of that recovery space too. So Mm -hmm. some folks, you know, might, might employ some kind of recovery practice every week and that helps them kind of get through that. Um, For some folks, it's like, well, I really only need this a couple of times a year and they're able to manage in that aspect. I'm a person who needs like daily practices to be able to manage that burnout aspect. But in what I've found in my research that it really is these compounding burn events that create Mm -hmm. burnout. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it comes along with, I guess you would call it like the hustle culture that we are involved in, in that it's, we are in this perpetual state of busyness and showing how busy we are. And that creates this space of like, you're not allowed to rest, even though rest is one of the most productive things that you can do for yourself. Yeah, I was going to, that was going to be one of my next questions was like, what are, what are some strategies that you employ maybe on like your daily basis, but even just some suggestions that you have on ways to um, help with those daily burn events Mm -hmm. that you go through? Yeah. So one of the big pieces that when it comes to burn events is some of them are what I call expected burn events. And so these are ones that you can actually look at your calendar and identify when they're going to come up for you before they happen. Mm -hmm. So one of the keys in managing expected burn events is to prepare for them. So, you know, I know if I if I look at tomorrow's calendar and I see that I have a full day and I'm not going to have many breaks in the day and it's going to be like a full day on zoom. And I know that that's going to be tiring for me. I, there are a couple of things that I know I need to make sure I do one. I need to make sure that I get enough water 
in during the day. I need to do my best to get a good night's sleep tonight. I want to make sure that I, you know, start my day tomorrow with my journaling practice and some kind of resetting of my mind space and those pieces. And I need to get a workout in before I'm sitting in front of the computer all day long. So some kind of way to move my body before, but I also have to implement a plan of recovery and have things scheduled after that long day. So for me, it's it's going to come down to movement of the body again and kind of disconnecting from what's around me. So I usually have a dance party. So I will put on a playlist that I have. It's called Energy Burst. And I mm -hmm. just dance it out through however many songs I need to just feel a little more centered in my day. So having oh, some that. kind of plan for yourself after those burn events, when you know that they're coming up, is a really important strategy. Okay, what about the kind of some of the unexpected burn mm -hmm. events? Yeah, so the unexpected burn events really come about to, you want to think about your almost your daily wellness practices. So you want to think about this in a couple of different ways. There's certainly physical wellness. So that's anything to do with your body, how you move your body, what you put into your body, your water intake, your sleep, those kinds of things. But you also want to consider what's your social wellness look like. So how are you connecting with other human beings throughout the day, throughout the week, your emotional wellness. So how are you checking in with your feelings throughout the day, throughout the week? Financial wellness is that connection to your finances and money. So how you think about your budget and those pieces. Intellectual mm -hmm. wellness is really kind of that expanding of your mind. How are you growing and learning and opening your mind to new ideas? And then spiritual wellness. So your connection to something greater than yourself shows up as religious practices or prayer, meditation, yoga, getting out in nature. So folks do this in a lot of different ways. And what you want to do is try to implement something that hits on each of those areas every single day. Mm. And that can feel really overwhelming to folks when you think about what you want me to talk like six areas. But the great thing is, is that there are lots of things you can do that actually impact multiple areas of wellness. So for example, I brought up like my movement of choice is a dance party. Mm -hmm. Well, I can incorporate that by bringing in other people and maybe doing a group fitness or a group dance class. It definitely expands my intellectual capability because, you know, dancing is movement and it takes like counting the steps or learning new choreography. It's a spiritual practice for me because I really connect to kind of that larger sense of the world and myself. So it actually impacts me in lots of different ways. And it creates this, you know, kind of emotional high and good feelings because mm -hmm. that's just what happens. Our brain chemistry is built for that. So knowing that you can find activities that actually impact you in all ways. And when you create space for that every day, it doesn't stop the unexpected events from coming up because they're unexpected. So they come around when they do, but you are more resilient to them mm -hmm. and you recognize them as a burn event, which means that you can implement recovery. No, I think that makes sense. And again, I know, I guess my, my follow-up question, I, I'm kind of curious if, is there any activities that you would suggest that you, maybe you've seen through clients that you worked with, obviously you have dance, right? That's what yeah. you have found, but you know, for some people we're, we're rhythmically challenged and it can be hard to, hard to dance. So are there any other suggestions that might hit a lot of the six wellnesses, um, kind of yeah. like you found with dance? 
Yeah. So I have definitely had it. So I have had clients who implement that through like a walk and talk. So they take mm -hmm. a walk with a friend in that aspect, or they'll take a walk by themselves, but listening to a podcast or an audiobook mm -hmm. or something to that effect. And that hits them in a few ways. They're getting outside. So they're getting that connection to, to nature, to the world. They're connecting intellectually with something in that aspect and they're moving their body for, for some folks, it might be, there's like journaling practice in that regard. So connecting to kind of that mind and spirit, it might be doing a guided reflection of some kind or a meditation, mm -hmm. a guided meditation in, in that aspect. So lots of different ways, but the key is finding something that you enjoy because the last thing you want this to be is something that's like another thing on your to-do list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You want to look forward to being able to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what are some of the common signs? So if I'm, you know, either observing for myself or for someone else, what are some signs that, uh, I'm burning out or someone around me might be burning out. Mm -hmm. So you want to look at for yourself and for others, you want to think about it in a couple of ways. And the first is how um, is, might it be physically impacting you? So it mm -hmm. can show up as headaches. It can show up as, um, you know, a difference in your appetite, either an increased appetite or a decreased appetite. It can show up as fatigue or foggy headedness. So not being able to like connect thoughts and, you know, thinking just feels mm -hmm. a little more difficult in that aspect. Emotionally, it can show up as irritability, you know, anger, sadness, those kinds of things. And that's often what we see in other people too, is, you know, someone who normally, you know, doesn't react in a real irritated way. When you ask a question, all of a sudden you feel like they're snapping your head off or you feel yourself snap someone's head off in that mm -hmm. aspect. Those are some of the signs, common signs of burnout. Okay. And then um, stages. I think I was, I was doing some research on this and that's why I wanted to ask this question. Are there stages of burnout? Like we talk about burn events and full burnout, but are there different stages? And then obviously through the recovery. Yeah. That? Yeah. So the, the model that I developed has not necessarily stages, but it has phases of, mm. of kind of managing burnout, I would say. So there is the, the observation phase, which is really kind of that figuring out how it shows up for you. What are your burn events and what do you need to get into a more of a recovered space? So that kind of what I call the happiest, healthiest self space. Then there's preparation in that regard. So preparing for those burn events, setting boundaries, setting standards and work standards for yourself in that aspect. And then recovery is kind of those self-care items, implementing those wellness areas in, in that piece. So in, in the work that I do, I guess those are kind of like the like the phases or stages that I help folks work through in burnout, but they all kind of happen together in yeah. that aspect. I, I think of it more of a, not necessarily stages, but definitely there's an ebb and flow that I think people, you know, kind of experience throughout their life when it comes to burnout. Mm -hmm. No, I guess that that does make sense that there's not with anything that we're going through, it's, it's going to change. We talk about burnouts on a spectrum. So there's not like just defined stages. How long does, I'm just kind of curious, how long does burnout usually, like how long does it take to recover from burnout? Is it yeah. like, a, you know, if you're going through and we're doing these wellness activities and everything, is it like a quick process that like all of a sudden you're fine? Or is it like, well, you're going to recover from burnout for the rest of your life. And it just kind of something that's a constant battle that you go through. 
Yeah, I'm sure folks are not going to love my answer, but it's not it's not a quick turnaround when it comes to recovery, especially if you are in a place of really like full on burnout, because one, it took you quite a while to get to that place. So it does take some time to come out of that. The reason that that is true is because you have to retrain your brain a little bit and you have to create new habits. And that always, that takes time mm -hmm. to implement into our day to day. And then I really do think of burnout recovery as this continuous process. So I, even for myself in doing the work professionally, I still have to practice this every day. And when I don't, I absolutely notice a difference in my stress levels and how I'm managing emotions and, you know, and physical aspects when it comes to the stress that is in my life. So it's not something that we can, it's not, it's definitely not a checkbox where you're like, okay, recovered. And then I can, I can move on. It's kind of this continual process and habit setting of, you know, recovering from burnout. Yeah. What? You know, we talk about um, some people, I think, when any of these topics that I've talked to different podcast guests about, um, you know, there's obviously people that are like, yeah, burnout's a thing and people need to recover from it. It's these stages, all this. But there's also a lot of people that like burnout's not. And we, you know, I just kind of want to know kind of what stigmas have you seen in your work with burnout that, you um, like what stigmas around burnout are you seeing at home and at work, especially mm -hmm. um, in today's times? Yeah. One, I think that the term burnout is like, especially right now is being used a lot in mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. You know, you have Zoom burnout and everything has kind of become that aspect. And, and I think that's important that we're able to kind of own the language in that aspect. I will say that for a long time, I think that burnout was, you know, similar to other mental health stigmas and those kinds of things has had some shame attached to it. In that I think folks think that they should never experience burnout. And I believe that burnout is actually part of our human experience. It comes along with us having our natural stress response. And so every human experiences it. You may no. just not call it burnout. And so that's really kind of one of the missions that I have is to help people recognize that we're, we all go through this mm -hmm. and it's absolutely okay and normal that we all go through this in that aspect. So really kind of taking that, that stigma off. And I do think for a lot of professions, it's still you know, burnout means that you've somehow failed at the work or that you can't, you know, that you can't keep up and that it's, that it's a character flaw of some kind. And it absolutely is not because it's really just, it boils down to the fact that you're human and that's how humans respond to stress. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking with, um, in one of my last episodes that was released, I was talking with, a. Uh, a guest who works at uh, LinkedIn Learning, and we were talking about the future of work and everything. Um, and when you talk about people just kind of go through burnout, I think a lot of people have been suffering through burnout right now, right? Yeah. Through the pandemic. Uh, I mean, everything that's going on, right? There's a lot of trauma happening. There's a lot of trauma happening. I'm just kind of curious, what do you think the role of burnout or burnout symptoms and all that, 
what kind of role do you think that plays on um, the future of the workplace? As mm-hmm. I know, I mean, that's a huge topic conversation right now yeah. that people are just, they're kind of like just re rethinking how they work, how much they work, focusing a little bit more on those wellnesses, but mm-hmm. that can also have an effect on productivity or kind of um, our typical thought of productivity and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, when it comes to the workplace and how I think burnout is going to continue to impact the workplace, because I think it it has for a long time in that aspect, because it does impact employee engagement, it impacts, you know, employee productivity, it impacts whether or not people want to stay at their work, um, where they work in that workspace, in that regard. And I think those things are going to continue what I am seeing with more corporations, companies, and agencies is that they're recognizing that it's it's more than, oh, we'll give you like Friday afternoons off, or we're going to have a pizza party for appreciation and those kinds of things. And that it really is more of a continual process and a change of culture and how you approach wellness in the workspace. So it is about creating you know, the space for people to have daily practices. It is about creating the, not just giving people unlimited vacation, but actually giving them the opportunity to take that vacation without the guilt of having to check back in. So mm-hmm. the the change in, in culture and thinking in that when you take vacation, we're not going to expect you to still answer email or your phone and those kinds of things. We understand that it is a a point of disengagement so that you can totally, so you can disconnect from the workspace. So those are some of the things that I think, you know, we're, we're going to have to figure out a way to manage as, as supervisors, as, as folks that, you know, create businesses because it, it is a bit of a different expectation. And right now with this, you know, this great resignation that is happening across across the country and across the world, really employees have a bit of the upper hand and mm-hmm. they're going to be asking for these experiences. And if, you know, if management and administrative levels don't make those adjustments, hiring is going to, hiring might not be that difficult, but retention definitely is going to be. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I want to, I want to kind of focus in on some of that kind of where you're prompting of thinking about management, right? Just mm-hmm. as a leader, how do I help just be a better leader if I want my team to be productive, reach their goals and everything else and just be good, good, productive humans? What are, as a leader, kind of what are some signs that um, my team as a whole might be burning out yeah. that I might need to like jump in there and do something? Yeah, really kind of recognizing one, first you have to know know your people well enough to know, to be able to recognize like disengagement when it's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to know them well enough to, to know like, okay, this person seems to be, you know, a little more disengaged or maybe they're more silent in meetings. Maybe they're not contributing as much to the conversation as they once had and thinking that, There could be lots of things going on, but burnout is certainly one of them and asking the question. The other piece I think with management that is important is is setting the tone. So being that role model in that the aspect of of burnout recovery. So, you know, very clearly showing that you live up to your own expectations for other folks. So if you are implementing an expectation that rest is important and rest is productive, 
when you rest, you show that you're, you know, you show how you're not available. You show how you set kind of those consistent boundaries and you're very clear about your expectations for what you, you know, need from the people who work for you. Mm -hmm. So like you're saying, Hey guys, we need to rest and do all that. But then you're like working 24 seven. Yeah, if you're always available that you're not setting the example that rest is productive. So there's still mm. there. People are still going to think, Oh, well, my supervisor is always available. And even when they're on vacation, so I must have to be too. Yeah. Oh, they just feel like to like either to compete or just mm -hmm. to you know look good in the eyes yeah. of the company and everything like i need yeah. to keep going okay um no i think that makes right you have to know your team first off that's the, mm -hmm. the first thing so that makes sense um how how can i as a leader help reduce the effects of burnout both both i guess at the workplace and kind of at home like if you're um, a parent or yeah. just the head of a household yeah so for for self in in that aspect so folks that are you know looking to reduce that for themselves it is it's really about and i think for teams too start small it it is you know we often if, if you think about when i you know when you want to start a new fitness routine or a new eating plan or something to that effect we almost always go in like full force like i'm gonna like i'm gonna become like the most amazing crossfitter on yes. the face of the earth like in this next week and and recognizing that setting new habits takes time and it works best when we take what I call micro steps. So what is a small way that you can implement recovery for yourself throughout the day? And so I like to really have folks start with either, you know, adding something to their morning routine or adding something to what I call a closing routine. So when we are transitioning from our workspace to kind of just our general life space, what is a way that you are indicating that you're kind of shutting off the workspace in that aspect? So is it that you don't have notifications for emails on, on your phone at that point? Do you, you know, turn those off? Are they on do not disturb at that point? For me, I've, I have a very active like way of like I turn off, like I put my computer to sleep. Mm -hmm. I actually unplug the, the internet cable so that that can't be a disturbance and that, and because I have it like strung across the house, I mm -hmm. roll it up, I put it in its place and I turn the light off in my office. And so that's a very clear you know, ritual that I have that says, okay, I am done working for the day. And so thinking of small ways that you can incorporate kind of those wellness practices throughout the day or include it into something that you're already doing. So I have a post-it note that I, you know, have on my mirror that has kind of the phrasing of, you know, I will, I will do my work honestly. I will give love and respect to every living thing. I live with an attitude of gratitude and I read it while I brush my teeth. I'm already brushing my teeth, but this also helps, you know, set me up for success in the day. Mm -hmm. I always like the, the, uh, post-it note idea of like yes. putting in those random, like those, those little notes that you have just yes. kind of everywhere. Yeah. Just uh, where you'll see it. And it's just like that little affirmation or that uplift to be like, okay, yeah. Um, and I was, I was kind of wondering, I like your, your strategy, of like where you close off, right? Mm -hmm. You got it. And I know we're talking a lot about like kind of work burnout and everything else. And so I kind of want to shift to personal, but a big thing with this future work and everything, these conversations is this work from home. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I can see on the computer you are at home right now, what I imagine, unless this <laughs> yes. is your office, but I am. <laughs> I imagine you are at home. And so have you seen through your research or just through your work and everything, has work from home been a, a positive, a negative, or just kind of like, it doesn't really matter, you're going to burn out from work, whether or not you're at home or in the office? I honestly think that we have folks have seen a little more burnout when it comes from working at home because there has been less separation from from workspace to home space. And so what they are finding through some, you know, some research and those kinds of things is that when people started working from home, they actually ended up working more hours of the day and and that definitely impacted their productivity because the workspace was always there. So it was easy to be like, oh, I'll just answer this email, even though it's eight o'clock at night. And I don't, and I wouldn't have done this when I worked from the office mm-hmm. kind of piece. So really setting some, I know for me and what I've recommended for others is setting some really clear expectations for yourself. So I call those our work standards. So still have a start time and an end time for your work day. And then, you know, set those expectations of, I'm not going to check the computer um, when I'm not in the office and just some clear boundaries for yourself. So you're not always working. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I was, I was just thinking that my, uh, I was with my girlfriend yesterday and it was like 11 o'clock and Mm -hmm. guess who's doing an email, sending one out that, you know, the, the person I was emailing did not need it that day or anything, but I was still doing it. And that's hard. I mean, it is, it is hard it is. to get turned off when everything's, you know, on your device, yes. you know, you gotta, it's just, oh, I'm just going to respond real quick. Yeah. Um, are there any organizations that are, that are kind of leading the way in a healthy or healthier work environment mm-hmm. um, that you're kind of keeping an eye on? I think everyone is trying, you know, organizations are trying to do this in lots of lots of folks are trying to employ different strategies. I think about, um, you know, uh, Sarah Blakely with Spanx and those kinds of things and, you know, mm-hmm. offering like large scale vacations, um, you know, I know like Bumble, you know, giving kind of an all company mental health day, those kinds of things. And I like those practices as long as there's some intentionality behind them in regard to like the instruction of how people can actually utilize that day as a rest day, as mm-hmm. opposed to, um, you know, getting, oh, I'll just on this work project. I'll catch up on all of these, you know, home projects or things that I have waiting for me in other spaces. So I think that that is some important things and some of the pieces that I'm keeping an eye on. Okay. I wonder to, I mean, because right now it seems like companies are just kind of throwing the books at, at like people are upset, people are burned out from mm-hmm. all the things that we talk about and we just need to do something to keep employees yeah. happy. Um, I know that's something that I've talked to my parent, my mom's a small business owner and just talking to her about it. Like, I mean, yeah. everyone's just there. Uh, so I was kind of curious, but let's see. I want to make sure that I'm ask, that I'm asking every question because this is a very important topic. And um, are there, I guess, some of my final questions are: Are there like any ways that we can prevent burnout? Obviously, we know like doing the wellness things, but is like how do I? Is there any other ways that we can stop it um, from happening, or is it like what we talked about? Just it's going to happen, and you you know, it's better to know how to mitigate it rather than 
cut it out completely. Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned, so I don't believe that we can absolutely avoid burnout. So like preventing it is, is a hard concept for me. I do think that we can manage it in a much more effective way. So it doesn't impact our life as greatly. And it, it, feels so it feels less impactful when it does happen so it's almost you know as opposed to feeling like it's it's taken over your entire life it feels more just kind of like a blip in the day or one you know a small stress reaction in the day and so for that i think really utilizing taking a look at at, at those burn events really assessing those that you know are coming and making sure that you have a plan going into those times and you have scheduled recovery immediately following those times so that is the biggest key is really kind of recognizing how how does burnout show up for you so you know that when those burn events are happening and then figuring out kind of the pattern of those burn events as they might occur in your life. So what is the ebb and flow that comes to your life and then scheduling those that rest and recovery. And so those wellness practices so that you are creating space for yourself throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout the year. And then you don't feel as burdened by burnout. It doesn't impact you mm. as much in that aspect. So while I don't think it's something we can avoid, it's not a place we have to stay stuck in either. Yeah, no, I get that. And so okay, I really appreciate you kind of breaking down burnout, the wellness practice, like all of this information that that really has been kind of your life's work here. And um, if people are interested, if our listeners are interested in learning a little bit more, right, this is just an introductory conversation to it. Yeah. Um, what are some like organizations, studies, podcasts, just resources in general um, that they should look into um, just to learn about the burnout prevention strategies, um, mm -hmm. obviously outside of your website, which will be linked in the uh, show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So I offer lots of resources on my website. I also have a podcast that is great, I think, to listen to um, the book burnout um, and, you know, working through the stress cycle. And I messed up the title on that, but it is like titled burnout. And that is a great resource. There's also a podcast called fried, which is mm -hmm. based on burnout. And she brings in a lot of great experts to talk about really kind of that, that physical manifestation of burnout, emotional manifestation of burnout and how it impacts us in in that space so that's those are a couple of things that i would recommend okay perfect and like i said all those will be linked in the show notes will be shared on our instagram and everything for people to check out who are interested um just to wrap things up i always like to ask there's this there's this card game that my buddy and i we we got introduced to it's called we're not really strangers and so these <laughs> questions you're like how did the andrew come up with these closing questions <laughs> they're opening like they're just so thoughtful just from this card game that we found them um, and we oh. love it. And so my, my last questions, I found these the other day is like, what compliment do you wish you have received more frequently mm. from a stranger or from a person that you know? Yeah. That is so I think a compliment that I have received that always makes me feel really good. And I would love to have that experience more often is um, I, I felt really safe with you. And I was able mm -hmm. to, I felt really safe in opening up to you and being able to talk to you. And, you know, I've, I felt that like 
I, I just interviewed someone on my podcast and she said something to the effect of, I went to your website and even just your introduction on your website made me feel very safe. And that made yeah. me feel so good. Cause that's, that, that's exactly what I want people to feel mm -hmm. when they work with me and to know that that's the experience she had just by going to the website was, um, a great honor. So I would love to have that, that. I would love to be told that more often, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that is a great company, especially for your line of work and what mm -hmm. you do. And I honestly, now that you say that, I listened to that video and I feel the same way. I didn't, I didn't kind of, I didn't place the words there, but I, I understand what they were saying. Yeah. Um, and then has a stranger ever, ever changed your life? Yeah. I, you know, I, I love this question. I think it happens for me all the time. And so I, I'm very much a, like I have high empathy. So I just kind of take on the emotions that are all around me, which helps me in my work, but also yeah, I have to create space to like yeah. get other people's emotions away from me in that aspect. But, but it also has a positive effect, especially when, when I come across someone who it, it's clear that they just, they love their life and they're you know they're happy and they're smiling it doesn't matter what kind of mood i went into that interaction with i feel really good mm -hmm. just coming you know out of that space with them so when i'm able to interact with a stranger who is just you know kind and friendly and smiles even when we had masks on and everything you could still see it in their eyes and whatnot i think that i'm impacted by them on almost a daily basis yeah incredible what a smile can do right absolutely even to, even to a stranger walking down the street you know the people talk about the midwest smile i'm from the yeah. midwest so yep. <laughs> just just trying to brighten up someone's day yeah kate i really appreciate you talking to me a little bit about burnout you know this has been a very enlightening conversation for me um for any of our listeners feel free you can find a lot of kate's information at liftwellnessconsulting.com um, all the resources that she kind of talks about, her philosophy, and if you want to get in contact with her and all that. And that will also be linked in the show notes. Um, but really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having me.